0: Oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of UFO No, the show that separates science facts from science fiction the best that we can. This is your break from the propaganda, your break from the treasonous politicians. It's time to get elevated with me, dude named Ben Stoner, the L.C. Valley. With me is Mr. C. Hello. What's going on, bro? How are you, man?
2: Oh, it's a good weekend, man. We have an excellent interview. Dude,
0: so good. So good. I'm, I'm, I, this, this was a common theme through the conversation. I I had a brain fart there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The common theme was what a stark contrast from the very depressing, very dark message. (laughs) Yes. Of one of our previous guests, the esteemed Damien Dumar, who basically said the world is ending in twenty twenty five. It's not far
2: away, and we
0: desperately needed a a a counter. Yes, a warm to and that fuzzy feeling. Yeah, <laughs> and this man did this fit the bill? It was so good. What a, what a delightful soul. Uh, Dr. Lisa Thompson she is a best-selling author galactic ambassador and channeler and intuitive transformational coach, specializing in quantum cosmic energy healing human design past parallel life regression and sound healing she's an evolutionary biologist which I found fascinating how many of those do you find that are evolutionary biologists and cosmic energy healers um, who understands the embodiment of the ancient DNA within humans and guides them them in the intergalactic realm. She's the best-selling author, author of Connection to the Cosmos, which is the book that she uh, let us read and it was so good. What a positive message. What a beautiful positive message, uh remembering your galactic heritage and embracing your oneness as well as books like Sacred Soul Love and Sacred Soul Spaces, designing your personal oasis. She's got a weekly podcast called Connection to the Cosmos with Dr. Lisa Thompson, where she has out-of-this-world conversations with extraordinary people, and she's created nine Oracle decks, which is something we didn't talk about.
2: No, I wish we, we can
0: talk We talked again. about so much more, yeah. though, dude. It was like, where do we even fit it in, yeah. you know? That's but for it, another time. Yeah, <laughs> she's got nine Oracle decks you can check out if you're into that, and uh, she loves teaching on, on, online classes, leads retreats in her home state of Hawaii, UFO sightings, I believe it's what it was. Yes. They spot them. They use generation three military night vision goggles. Super badass. On And it
2: big Island.
0: That's right. On the yeah. big Island. Yep. It's called UFO tours on the big Island of Hawaii. And uh, anyways, what a, what a beautiful soul. I thoroughly enjoyed it. We had a little bit of a hiccup with the video for some reason. It was uh, on her end. It was a little choppy, but she comes through so clear with her message. So bear with the audio. We apologize to you, Dr. Lisa Thompson for that. But otherwise, What a great episode. I hope you all enjoy it the way we had it. I feel like I feel lighter on my feet after having talked to her. Oh, I do too. I literally feel like, like my, my heart is happier. My soul is happier. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, it's even over, we were over Skype and even over Skype, we're in Washington. She's over in Hawaii and I I felt I could feel that connection. Yeah, it it was beautiful. Wonderful. So anyways, thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. Um, And please, if you do uh, do the right thing, go and uh, donate. Make sure and uh, write us uh, a nice little uh, note. Leave a review. Go do all that stuff. Sharing is caring. That's what it's all about. But while you're at it, go check out Connection to the Cosmos by Lisa Thompson, as well as her other books that we'll have in the show notes. But without further ado, I bring to you. Lisa, Dr. Lisa Thompson. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Dr. Uh, Lisa Thompson is Thompson, right?
3: Thompson. Yes.
0: Yes. And uh, thank you so much. So uh, for the people that aren't familiar, uh, who are you? What do you do? Your background? How'd you get into this?
3: Well, so I have kind of a different background. Um, Number one, I've been an experiencer of UFO and extraterrestrial phenomena my entire life, including being on a spacecraft. And now wow. I actually um, channel some different extraterrestrial groups. So I, I communicate with them and I channel their messages. Um, but I my original background is I grew up in a metaphysical esoteric spiritual household where I was learning about higher dimensional reality And things outside of our normal physical 3D matrix reality um, from a very early age. And so that allowed me to have a lot of um, very metaphysical experiences through my teen years. But then I I had a very traditional first career where I was obsessed with animals. And I ended up getting my PhD in evolutionary biology focusing on animals.
1: Oh, that's right.
3: So I come from a science background, but I also come from a very esoteric metaphysical background.
0: Sure. Sure. Well, yeah. that's very cool. So, so I mean, what, what led you to, you said, okay, so break that down a little bit metaphysical, uh, esoteric upbringing. So what did that look like? I mean, what did that okay. look like? Did it, did it involve, uh, not picking on anybody. Did it involve a lot of granola?
1: <laughs>
3: um, actually my mother was a yuppie, so not granola. <laughs> oh, okay. All. But yeah, this was in the 70s and 80s. But my um, my mother, when I was two years old, she divorced my dad. And when she moved me from Colorado to Oklahoma, she started studying astrology. That was her original modality. And so I would go to night classes with her astrology classes and so all of her friends were either astrologers, psychics, witches, tarot card readers, numerologists, things of that nature. Yeah. And so then when I was 13 in 1986, she moved me from Oklahoma to Yelm, Washington, where we became students of the Ramtha School of Enlightenment.
1: Hmm. Have you oh, heard wow. of Ramtha
3: before?
0: <laughs> no,
3: I haven't
2: heard I, that I've been before. I've Yelm, but I've never heard of that. <laughs>
3: okay. So Ramtha is... Um, a channeled Ascended Master from the time of Lemuria, 35,000 years ago, and is channeled through a lady named Jay-Z Knight. And so some of the teachings of Ramtha included creating your own reality. This was before Law of Attraction became a popularized Mm -hmm. thing. We were learning quantum mechanics, remote viewing, telepathy, enhancing all the abilities, and having um, really extra dimensional kinds of experiences, getting out of our physical reality. And so in those teen years, when we were doing these different meditations and practices that we were doing at the school, I had some really phenomenal experiences that, you know, were so far out of mainstream um, reality that I couldn't really explain it to my friends. Oh, and, okay. So And and that included actually being on the spacecraft when I was 15.
0: 15. I can only imagine. Look, I was a pretty awkward teenager. (laughs) I can only imagine being 15 and struggling with just being alive. And then also on top of that, struggling with the knowledge of there being life out there. And then also having been abducted. Was it a terrifying experience or was it an enlightening experience?
3: It was was a beautiful experience, actually. And so would you like, would you like to hear the story?
0: Of course, I would love to.
3: (laughs) I'm sure the audience is like, what? Yeah, (laughs) well, yes.
0: Well, that's my whole thing is like, we talk a lot about different abduction scenarios. A lot of them are pretty bleak. And so it's nice to be able to hear about ones that uh, are peaceful and even happy. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, well, and I I have thoughts on the ones that are bleak too, which we can touch on later. But my experience... Um, So this was my first conscious memory of being taken on a craft. And I say my first conscious memory because I had been taken throughout my childhood. Mm. Um, But I wasn't allowed to remember those experiences.
0: So so, when you say you weren't allowed, you weren't allowed from the alien perspective or you weren't yourself weren't allowing?
3: I probably both. Oh, okay. And, you know, sometimes they will um, block the memory so that you can go about your daily life. Um, and so when I was 15, I was actually very mature for a teenager. And so it was a nighttime experience where I don't remember how I got onto the craft. I just remember all of a sudden I'm in this craft and it was a smaller shuttle craft. It was just me and my ET guide. And when he picked me up, he looked very human and he also felt really familiar. Like I knew him. So I had absolutely no fear and it didn't seem abnormal of, this experience happening. So I remember we're flying through space and the spacecraft itself, the walls looked completely transparent where you could fully see out into space. Wow. so you could see the darkness you could see the pinpoints of the starlight you could see the beautiful colors of the gas layers that we were passing through. and we finally get to where we were la- going we landed and I asked him when we got there, you know where are we? And he said that we were inside of Io, which is one of Jupiter's moons. Mm-hmm. Now, interesting thing about Io, you, it's the least likely place in our solar system that you think there might be life because the surface is extremely volcanic, very toxic. Mm-hmm. So you really can't only be inside of it. And so when we got inside, he started showing me around what looks like a hospital kind of scenario where i could see into different rooms where people were being examined and everyone looked very human but there was nothing scary going on none of the probes or you know some of some of that kind of examination that people report having yeah and so my next question to him was okay everyone looks so human are you human or not and he said that those of you that we brought here are human but we are not we are humanoid but we disguise ourselves so we don't scare you because our hmm. form is kind of extreme and it tends to scare you guys.
2: Wow. So they shapeshifters in other words, right? Are... Kind
3: of, yeah. It's kind of it's hard to say if it wasn't quite shape shifting. It was more like a hologram put well, over.
0: It's kind of like uh from Galaxy Quest in yeah. the movie when the people they look humanoid and then they push that little thing on their their wrist or whatever and they turn into squids. <laughs> it's yeah. it's like that. Yeah. <laughs>
3: exactly it's just like yeah this kind of disguise so it's a
0: device that allows them to do that as opposed to a mental power you think
3: i don't know okay and
0: okay Okay.
3: this was 35 years ago yeah
0: yeah (laughs) sure yeah
3: that kind of detail i don't remember Sure, sure so my next question to him was well why have we been brought here and why specifically am i here yeah and So what he said was that those of us that had been chosen to be brought there were being tested to see if something happened to the earth, if we could live in an environment like that or something similar. Now, this experience was back in 1988, where we were still in the Cold War. We were on the verge of World War III. So we actually had a timeline where something bad really could have happened to the earth. Sure. so then my next, so it was basically the end of the tour. I was not being examined on this particular trip. I just got to ask the questions and be toured around. So at the end of the tour, I asked him if I could see what he really looked like. Because as a child, I was obsessed with animals, which is why I went into my, my zoology degree. And the weirder the animal, the better. So I didn't think I have any fear at all about seeing what he looked like. And so when he showed me his true form, he was about seven feet tall, pure white skin, big dark eyes and long red hair. And when I say red, like real fire engine red, not like like a human kind of red hair. But
0: still humanoid.
3: Yeah, he was he was definitely humanoid. Yeah. But this hmm. really extreme. Think kind of scary clown look.
0: Oh, OK, <laughs> sure, sure
3: kind of extreme and so with how large he was and then the extreme coloration i could see why there would be some fear from people sure who with that kind of look but they were completely benevolent obviously as to why they brought us there so then i remember going back home and i'm laying in my bed thinking okay that is the weirdest dream i've ever had (laughs) and so for several months i thought okay that was just a weird dream now one thing about
0: was it can I interrupt you for just a moment? I apologize. So was it, after that, you just woke up in bed? It wasn't like you landed and then they took you home. It was just, boom, you wake up in bed.
3: I, yeah, all of us. i have, I'm back in my bed. So I don't yeah. rem, remember the ride home, but yeah, so okay. I'm in my bed. And I I have a vague memory of the craft being out in my backyard. We lived in, on 20 acres at the time uh, in the woods. And yeah. so- um, I, I vaguely do remember the craft being outside of in my backyard, and laying there like, okay, that's the weirdest dream I've ever had. And so then, fast forward a few months later, um, I was reading Whitley Strieber's book, Communion. Have you oh, guys? Oh sure. Oh
0: yeah, Whitley Strieber. Yeah. yeah, you bet.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that book is about his experiences of being taken by gray aliens.
1: Yeah. And yeah.
3: At the end of the, his book, he's interviewing different people that had been taken, and all of them have the same kind of gray experience, except for one guy that he interviewed had a completely different story where he was telling Whitley that he had been taken to a moon of Jupiter and told he was one of the chosen ones.
1: Well, and Whitley, to...
3: Yeah, Whitley makes a little side comment. I hope it isn't Io, kind of sarcastically. <laughs> And as soon as I read that, my body had head-to-toe chills. Tears started coming down my face. And that was my body's way of telling me that was a real experience. That was not a dream. Sure. So then, you know, being a part of the school that we were in, I knew if I went and told my mom, she would believe me. And so I did. I went and told her. And she got really excited about it. And one thing about the Rampus school in the 80s is that um, it was of interest to the CIA and the government, and they had since
0: oh,
3: five sure. the school. Yeah. And so, some of those people actually became real students. They left their government positions. Oh, okay. And so my mom knew one of these guys that had been formerly very high government, and um, he knew about the different ET races that, that the government knows about and even works with. Sure. And so she introduced me to him. I told him my story. And when I got to the part of describing what they looked like, he was like, you know, I don't know that race. He said that we do not know all of them. There are so many out there. But he said, you had a real experience. And so at that point, I'm 16, having this experience validated by someone who actually knows about it. And that was huge for me to not have to go through my life thinking that, you know, I'm crazy. I made it up. It's just a dream or whatever. And mm-hmm. I planted the seed for the work I do now as a galactic ambassador.
0: Hmm. That's cool. So let me ask you this. So is the, when I think of the, uh, being a galactic ambassador, I think of the same way the CIA recruits. Is like they watch people, they see kind of what their demeanor is, how they handle themselves in certain situations, and then they decide, I'm going to go ahead and interact with this person and try to um, recruit them, I guess. Is that similar to what you feel like happened with the Galactic Ambassadorship?
3: No, nope. oh. it was a soul level contract that I signed up for before being born into this human body.
0: So, wait, go back. You said it was a soul level contract?
3: Yes. So, before, so this is one of the, the things that I understand about our spiritual lineage and, and you know, how, what reality is. And for you and your audience, take it or leave it, what I'm going to say. But before we come into this particular earth life, we choose who our parents are. We choose the people that are going to come in and out of our lives for us to learn different lessons. And we sign up for things at a soul level, like being being a galactic ambassador, being taken on to craft, whether it's a good experience for them or not. And so I know that I chose to come into this life as Lisa to be in this role. It's actually one of my life purposes to be in this role. And so... I signed up for it before I even, you know, was born.
0: Wow. So you're a volunteer. Uh, So let me ask you this. You, you believe that everybody, everybody that exists has done this, has signed this soul level contract that there's no new souls.
3: And I, yeah, I, I, we all are connected to one another. We all come from source.
0: Yeah. Okay.
3: And so anyone, my, again, in my understanding Yeah. Is that everyone signs up for whatever experiences they're going to have.
0: Let me ask you this, like extraterrestrial experiences or life experience or all the above. All of it. So let me ask you this and my, look, my brain, this is where my brain goes. So it, my mouth follows. Uh, my first, the first place I go to is people that live very dark lives that are born into very, very unfortunate circumstances of child yep. abuse, trafficking, I mean, name it, you know, yep. let me ask you this. Uh, do they choose that? They do. Really? Yeah. So what yeah, would be so the reason, like, to gain the experience of what it's like to get the shit kicked out of you?
3: Well, okay, so that's a great question, and so one of the modalities that I do is past life regression therapy, Yeah. and and I'm reframing that to be parallel life regression therapy, because at the quantum level, all timelines exist simultaneously.
1: I but love
3: it. our human reality, we think of past, present, future. Yeah. So we'll just, yeah. Okay. So what I understand is that we do not just have one life, right? We are multiple lives and we, we are living in a third, fourth dimensional reality, which experiences polarity, duality. So we have the good the bad the positive the negative the black white we it, when we are living in this third fourth dimensional reality we experience all things we are the tyrant and we are the victim we are we are all of it and so um again everyone is volunteering when they come in i believe and so you know, even though we might judge it as a really hard life. And I'll give you an example. My mother, she was sexually abused by her father for five years when she was a child, age seven to 12. And someone might say, wow, she chose that. And even though she hasn't resolved it in herself, um, I she does know she chose it from a spiritual level. I know she chose it. And, you know, we... we Go through really hard things to learn the wisdom, gain the wisdom, and to evolve and grow and feed that information back to source. And so it's kind of like going to Earth is like an amusement park yeah. where we choose different lives to live in. And so this life, I just happen to be Lisa, but I've, you know, been some other Earth lives. I've mostly been non Earth lives though, yeah. but it's. Oh, I wanna I wanna go experience that life. Let me see what that what that's like. Oh, okay, that wasn't fun. And now I need to balance that out on the other side of it. Sure. So it's a karmic kind it, of balance. It's
0: hard for me to to wrap my head around a line forming behind a ride called sexual abuse, if we're going with the amusement park analogy. <laughs> my 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 here's here's what I'm wondering is is this. And maybe this is it this seems like a hard question for me to answer. So I'm gonna ask you because you're, I would think you're much smarter than me. Uh, so what, what wisdom is there to gain from being sexually abused?
3: Well, number one, knowing that you can integrate that trauma and you can learn and grow from it. It's not that, I mean, and it's, you know, like, just like any kind of physical abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse. Why do we go through that? I personally have been and I was in a very toxic, abusive marriage. And you know, I you would think, well, why did you do that? Well, I needed to find my self-love. I needed to find my worthiness. And so I was able to learn the wisdom of that to get myself out of the situation and really truly understand that everything is within me. And so there are different reasons that people come in to experience different things. But again, it's only one little blip of a life. We have multiple costumes that we're wearing. And so this one physical reality that you guys are experiencing that I'm experiencing, it's just one of many different experiences that we have.
0: Sure. Well, and as you said, it, it simply adds to perspective. Uh, I just, I guess I'm glad I don't have. I've never had to experience that perspective. Uh, I don't think I would choose it.
2: You never know. It could be in a past life. Uh,
0: Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Well,
2: I'm with you, Lisa. I actually. So I've studied this quite a bit too. I actually have read a book called "Many Lives, Many Masters." I don't know if you've seen that or not. Yeah. By yeah, Brian Weiss. Weiss. Yeah. And I've studied that too. And they've talked a lot about like a lady that was like in ancient Egypt, different times. And they had the guardians that she talked to at the end. I won't ruin the whole book for everybody, but <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of towards the end. But, you know, that's kind of something that I've come across to it. And would you term this as like a star seed then? Is that what you believe you are?
3: Um, I I do um, consider myself a star seed, although different people have different definitions of what that is yeah, for if- me.
2: Yeah. I've heard that too. My mother told me that too. So I'm with you. What is yeah. your definition though?
3: So, well, for me, it doesn't mean that I haven't lived other earth lives, but I haven't lived very many compared mm. to my non earth lives. Mm-hmm. I have a much more broader connection, um, with other galactic groups, other universal groups, um, and being energy and uh, other things. So I, I know that I was like, I have, all, we all have up to 22 different ET races in our DNA. And I just happen to be expressing more of my ET-ness than some people who have a lot of earth lives that have been here like since earth started. That doesn't mean that they've only had earth lives. Everyone has had non-earth lives but some people are definitely more earthbound than others.
0: Mm -hmm. So as in, as in, we all have these multiple DNA, is it just that science hasn't pinpointed them or what, what's the reason why we can't, uh, you know, I've heard people say they have reptilian hybrid blood, things like that. Um, But you can't really, it doesn't seem to be like you can go and get a DNA test for that, you know? So, (laughs) so is it simply that, that science hasn't caught up to that similarly to the way that science until recently hadn't caught up to quantum mechanics and entanglement theory and all that stuff. Is it similar to that?
3: It is similar. And so what I can tell you as an evolutionary biologist, um, so when I was getting my degree, I was at university of Chicago and the field museum of natural history and at the field museum during my tenure as a student and a postdoc there, we had a display on human evolution. So we had the original Lucy that was found and then we had different transitional species of hominids leading up to Homo sapiens. Now, this is what I'm gonna talk about is true for all animal evolution, but since we're talking about human DNA, we're gonna stick to that. So we have this idea in evolutionary biology, something known as a missing link.
0: Have you heard that? Yes, oh yeah. Uh,
3: so the missing Sasquatch. Name. Yep. <laughs> also the missing. Like, we can talk about Sasquatch later too. So oh, we're gonna Sasquatch. get squatchy.
0: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we're gonna get squatchy for sure. It's on the list. <laughs> for
3: sure. For sure. So um <laughs> in human evolution, we have massive jumps, like overnight jumps in anatomy and physiology from one hominid to another hominid type. And we have this at different points in our in our human history of evolution. And so these missing links, normally in evolution, you would like to see gradualism happen where you're seeing some tiny shifts and it, it's explainable how one animal is transitioning into another animal. But when you have these huge jumps in terms of anatomy and physiology, what I understand now and in the communication that I have with the ETs and other people's communications and channelings is that throughout our human evolution, we have had different extraterrestrial groups coming to earth to splice in their DNA, to our DNA, to modify our DNA, to basically upgrade our body over time. Because as we're evolving as humans, we need to be able to run more energy through our bodies. We're becoming more consciousness, less. Uh. And so that is part of what this what these different groups have done.
0: So, like software upgrades. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, exactly. Wow. Wow. And what I can tell you is that one of the lives that I have lived that I got to fully see and experience is being one of these ET groups. I was a Syrian from the Sirius star system. I was a master genetic engineer coming to Earth to do this very thing.
0: Wow. So let me ask you this, how do you, you know, since you brought up being a a biologist, which is, this is, this is the number one reason why I was fascinated to talk to you is because your perspective on everything while being a biologist. Okay. Mm -hmm. So while being very fluent in science, very fluent in biology, clearly, and still having the beliefs that you do, I feel that that's a, a rare thing right cuz most at least in my experience most of the people i've run into that hold these same beliefs that you do aren't nearly as educated and well uh, yeah go, I, ahead. go yeah, ahead
3: and i would say it's because of my spiritual upbringing because i was exposed to understanding that there are beings that reside in different dimensions outside of our earth reality and so I knew that fairies were real, squatches is real, dragons are real, you know, unicorns even. Everything in folklore and mythology, it actually has a basis in reality. And they're just lit in different kinds of dimensions that we have been able to tap into and we still can tap into other dimensions to experience these things. And so when it came to being, you know, and really conservative mainstream academia, the way that I was, um, I had, I, my, again, my teenage experiences couldn't be explained by the academic side of what I was doing. And when I would share with my friends, like, you know, I know Squatch is real and I, I been on spacecraft and they all thought I was crazy. So there, you know, the minds, and this was again, back in the nineties when I was in um, undergrad and graduate school. And so things are starting to shift a little now, um, more so because we finally have some mainstream scientists, like Dr. Avi Loeb, who are like, okay, yeah, maybe ET life is real.
1: Yeah.
3: Now, he, his parameters of what they're looking for is very different than what a lot of ETs actually, how they present themselves. Mm-hmm. And so... Mainstream science, still, it's like taking a little teaspoon and trying to take samples out of the ocean, the way that they are going about looking for life.
0: That's so funny. So, I literally yeah. told yeah. that to Mr. C the other day. I said, You know, I, I believe in a lot of things because I, one of my favorite sayings is not believing in alien or that there's life in the universe is like taking a spoonful of ocean water and saying that sharks don't exist. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so I definitely, I definitely believe that, you know, the hard part for me is, uh, I have an, I have a kind of an extended family member who is very much so along the same lines as you are, um, star seeds, uh, Arcturians, uh, channeling, I mean, all of it. And we had a, a very fascinating conversation about the nature of reality. And mm-hmm. because where I, you know, for me, I don't see spaceships. I don't remember past lives. I I haven't seen anything that convinces me uh that these things are real, but I still want to believe in them. I okay. want to believe in them. So, what I you know, what I generally lean on is simply that based on what we know about the nature of reality with all the chemicals pumping through our body and let's just go with what we know of terrestrially, not even going into the past lives and DNA and stuff, but just what we know about our bodies and like DMT being produced in the p- uh, pineal gland and and now potentially from the liver and and rent, uh, various muscles within the body, um, all these compounds that seem to be creating reality uh, as we go along, like kind of yeah. making up reality as we go. And so, with that being said, like I've I've said this a lot, like the reality of me in this situation, you in your situation, and Mister C here, even though we're all three having this conversation. In the same reality, per se, we're all experiencing our own realities based on our makeup, our memories, uh, everything that makes us up, the way we smell, the way we taste, like all these things make up the reality we experience at this very moment. And so for me, that alone, that alone means I can't tell you that what you're experiencing isn't real. I can't tell you that because I don't know. And that's exactly what I had this conversation. Her name's Leah. Leah, I love you. Uh, but, um, you know, she, same thing. I said, look, I don't see ships in the sky. I don't see aliens every day. I want to believe what you're telling me. But my reality is so different than that, you know, that, that it's hard for me to wrap my head around. But I so desperately want to believe in that. So it's just fascinating to talk to, to you about this.
3: Well, and the thing about experiencing past lives, it's, you know, people, some people spontaneously remember lives, but other people need to go through regression, through hypnosis to get to other lives that they've lived. In fact, most people do because they, they don't know how to tap into it themselves. Sure. And so that's where people like me and others and people who read Akashic Records I find it more powerful for people to experience their own other lives rather than just being told, Oh, you were, you know, you were Egyptian and yeah, you yeah. okay. But when they get to fully see it, feel it, experience it in the regression, um, it actually has a lot more meaning. Sure. And as far as seeing craft. So that's one of the, one of the other things I do is I lead night skywatch UFO tours yes, here in Hawaii. Yes. Oh, awesome. And so... I train people how to identify the known moving objects first and foremost. So we got airplanes, helicopters, satellites, shooting stars.
0: Yeah, Yeah, all of that.
3: So you need to know what that behavior is because it's very predictable. As a scientist, we like things that you can categorize that you can be like, okay, that's predictable.
1: Yeah.
3: Once you know what that behavior is, then you can actually appreciate all of the other stuff out there that doesn't fit in those categories. And so we use military night vision goggles, generation three specifically, because what it does is it amplifies the light in the sky that you can see. So you can only see very limited with your bare eyes. For those out
0: there that don't know, that's the good shit. Yeah. (laughs) Those (laughs) those generation (laughs) three, that's the good shit.
3: Yes. They, yes, (laughs) it is the
1: good shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
3: And so when we're looking through the goggles, then once people are trained, like night after night, people are being opened up to, wow, that's, that's an actual spacecraft because of the behavior that it's doing. Mm -hmm. And so here in Hawaii, we have so much activity And so maybe you'll just have to come to Hawaii and come on one of my tours. Oh my goodness.
0: I would love to. That would be amazing. One of these days, I'm sure good excuse to go to Hawaii in (laughs) general, but then uh, of course being able to see UFOs, that's, that's even better. So
2: I have a question. What, what behaviors do you recognize then from these craft? Great question. What are the differences?
3: Yeah. So um, some of the craft, they will start out looking like satellites. So just for everyone um, to know what a satellite behavior is, satellites do not have blinking lights but they are metallic and so within the first couple hours of sunset and before sunrise the sun is reflecting off of that metallic surface Hmm. so what what it creates is a glowing light in the sky so it's not blinking like an airplane blinks but it's just glowing and it satellites are perpetually orbiting earth only in one direction per satellite right they're not changing direction they're going And the amount of glow that they're giving off, if you have a perfectly clear sky, the amount of glow they're giving off will stay consistent because they tend to be fixed, right? They're not tumbling. And so the glow will be consistent, moving in one direction only. And as it nears the horizon, then it will dim out.
0: But Lisa, what happens when it gets to the edge of the flat earth? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I had to. I'm let's, sorry. Let's I had sliders, to. I was <laughs> like, if she says horizon, I got to go there. Anyways, I continue. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> so,
1: so,
3: When you know that that is the behavior of a satellite, yeah. then when you, again, within that first couple of hours, when they will be dimming at the horizon level, what we see night after night, we see these craft that are disappearing in the middle of the night sky. And typically going out of the same spot, like it's a portal, where it's easier to shift in and out of dimension. We'll see things appearing right there and then start moving. We will see things changing direction, changing speed, changing the amount of glow they're giving off. So sometimes they will get really, really bright and really, really dim. They'll do random blinking. Um, Two nights ago, actually, we had a full-on triangle craft come Close enough that we could see that it was triangle shape, and it was putting off lots of light, different kinds of light. It was really incredible.
0: Let me ask you something about the triangle craft. Do you ever, do you guys ever keep an eye out for like what uh, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, Boeing are putting out?
3: So, I personally don't. My husband follows that a little more.
1: Oh,
0: okay.
3: And okay, so that's a good. Point because some of the triangle craft are reverse engineered craft mm-hmm. um, that are Earth made, but not all of them.
1: Sure, sure. And
3: so, but we're seeing all different kinds of behavior, different craft, different shapes. Um, one night, I saw a full-on massive pyramid-shaped cra- craft in the sky. Wow! Um, I've seen the more disc shape. I've seen spherical ones. Um, I actually got one on my iPhone. I got. Um, camera and video of one that was right across the street above the tree line, um, that I was interacting with and it was pulsating. But when I, when I got the video, it actually was pulsating, but it was also spinning inside. It was like a, a two part double donut kind of shape structure. And so, you know, they come in all different types. My husband, um, Back 10 years ago, he was living in Tacoma, Washington, and there was a massive rectangle shaped one over downtown Tacoma. It was about the size of a football field. And so, wow. yeah, there's well, all sorts of different kinds.
0: Let me ask you this. One of my one of my things that I, I highlight a lot is when you look back on you know, old school, let's go back to the, the thirties, forties, fifties, you know, the golden age of ufology and that kind of stuff when it was all discs. Um, why is it that you think the alien craft has evolved similarly to the way our own technology has evolved? Do you think there's a connection there?
3: So actually, um, we have different AT races coming to earth and all of their craft are shaped differently.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So,
3: um, you know, so a lot of the spherical ones tend to be Syrian. Um, the one that I saw in my neighborhood above my neighbor's house was a Pleiadian craft. Um, so they, they come in different shapes and some of them actually sit outside of our visible reality. Um, because they're slightly higher dimensional Sure. and so they can phase in and out sometimes cameras, video cameras, pick them up, but our eyes can't see them. And so I don't think it, it necessarily was just the saucer shape style back in the thirties and forties. Um, you know, I think weren't the Foo fighter. Those were lights.
0: Very true. Not- that's, that's a good point. There's a, there's a lot of, do you believe that those were alien though? Foo fighters? I do. Do you? What do you think about the theories of, you know, connecting because at the time of those Foo Fighters, you had this uh, idea that Hitler and the Nazis were working on the Glock, the Nazi bell, and that potentially they had these various forms of UFO craft that they were flying that when you used uh, spinning mercury, not only did it create anti-gravity, but it created intense light. Yeah, um, well, and I, yeah.
3: I do think that that could be part of the phenomena, okay. but not of it. Because sure. what I understand in the 30s and 40s, you know, when we were having these massive world wars and then we developed atomic weapons, yeah. we all of a sudden became very dangerous toddlers on our planet. <laughs> yeah, sure. and so everything that we do here on Earth impacts directly. It's a ripple effect out into our solar system, the galaxy, and even the universe. Mm -hmm. And so there was an uptick in activity because they were watching over us to make sure number one, we're not going to destroy ourselves and destroy our planet because if we do that, it actually directly impacts them as well. But like I mentioned, some of them are are our family members. And so they're kind of watching over us like parents Mm -hmm. that aren't able to intervene directly necessarily anymore because we have free will here on earth,
2: Not but helicopter mom,
3: right? right. <laughs> yeah, the helicopter, yeah. Exactly. They're more of the hands off, like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and so very commonly, you know, these craft are seen above nuclear facility sites, nuclear power plants, missile sites, um, military bases with nuclear um, technology. And part of it is they're watching it. And sometimes they are shutting it down. You know, they have completely shut down missiles. They've even shot them out of the sky after they've been launched. And we have one, one such instance back in 2018, where there was a massive alert that went on everyone's phones here in Hawaii, because there was a missile that was coming from North.
1: Remember
3: that? And then half an hour later, everyone got the notification, um, false alarm. Well, there really was a missile. There were some lights that were seen above the Pacific Ocean and my my knowingness tells me that they took that missile out to protect us. Mm-hmm.
0: So so the the story that they gave to the public of it being an accidental that they had this text this message pre-prepared and that they accidentally launched it uh, you think that's a cover story?
3: I do because the chain of events that you have to go through to actually set that kind of alert off they, they really felt something was happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Fascinating. I mean, it's, uh, again, it's, you know, like I said, I, I want to believe in all this, uh, you know, it's, it's just, there's so much, you know, that's why I like talking to people like you going, going back to your, your, um, experience in biology, how did, so, you know, early on, it, so you were basically just primed. I mean, f- from an early, early age, you were primed. Did you ever get uh, hypnotically regressed yourself? To oh, yeah. Unlock these past lives.
3: Yes. As okay. a regression therapist, that is one of, that's part of our training is that we also have to undergo regression sure, and understand the process. And so while I haven't experienced every one of my lives because it's infinite how many lives we actually have. I have been able to tap into quite a few different lives.
0: Wow. Let me ask you a question. I'm a bit, uh, I'm a little bit skeptical about hypnotic regression only because of things like MK ultra. So uh, MK ultra, you know, I talk about it ad nauseum on the show, but for those that aren't familiar, it's MK ultra Sheisty program by the CIA that uh, used LSD and who knows how many other drugs to, uh, to manipulate minds, try and unlike, uh, unlock psychic powers, uh, implanting memories, extracting memories, all kinds of crazy things that they did experimentation-wise, which led to another one, Operation Midnight Climax, where they were hiring hookers to lure men into these hotels where they were dosing them up with LSD and experimenting on them. What that said to me and to the world was that the government is capable of pinpointing individuals and not only fabricating memories and implanting them in their brain and having them potentially do actions that they didn't even have memories of later or giving them memories that drove them insane all kinds of crazy things there's all kinds of crazy stories and tales i can't even remember all the names of the different people i mean there's uh i don't know if you're familiar with the book chaos by tom o'neill
3: i haven't read that one
0: My God, Lisa, you got to look into it. So this guy, Tom O'Neill, spent 20 years. Originally, he was going to start an article to write about the Charles Manson murders, ended up into a 20-year endeavor to write this book that found all kinds of connections to MKUltra, that Charles Manson was being picked up by the FBI, given techniques to brainwash, and then released out into the hippie movement to do it to the hippie movement. And that's where they believe that he actually did this to the family, that he formed and uh, used these techniques that were used in MK ultra to brainwash these young kids basically while using drugs to go out and kill for them. Um, and so anyways, fascinating book. You got to check it out. Chaos by Tom O'Neill. Wonderful. Everybody out there, get it, look at it. As, and while you're out there, get Lisa Thompson's book as well. While That's you're great. doing that, She's got a lot of them, wonderful actually. book, a yeah. uh, connection to the cosmos. So, Uh, But you got to check it out. And but but here's what it said to me is it said to me again that the government is capable of doing this. The government is capable. And I'm not saying, of course, I'm not saying that everybody that does hypnotic regression is a CIA asset. (laughs) I'm not saying that. However, like we have evidence that there are disinformation agents that are sent within the UFO community, like Richard Doty. Bill Moore had said this. There are people that do this. So. How do you, obviously you yourself can control, you don't seem like a maniacal person that's <laughs> out there to rewrite somebody's brain, but how do you make sure that somebody is you and the community that you're in in ensure that these people, cause mind you, and, and you know, this, this is an incredibly vulnerable state. This is a state. I I, I liken it to taking the book, which is your mind and giving it to somebody, and giving them a pen, and simply saying, now don't doodle in it. You know, right. o- only only write what I want you to write, but here's the pen, and here's the paper. Um, yeah. That's a lot of control. So how do you and the community at large of hypnotic regressionists ensure that this isn't happening within your ranks?
3: Well, so I only can control myself. Of course, sure. And I, the way that I was trained, I was trained by Denise Lynn, who, along with Brian Weiss, is one of the world experts in regression therapy. Dolores Cannon is another world expert. Now, the techniques that Brian, Denise, and Dolores teach, you know, we, we basically, those of us that are attracted to those people are extremely ethical in integrity. We are not trying to manipulate people's minds. We are actually trying to help heal them. Sure our role as regression therapists it's not just like oh let's go see what you were and make up stories it is like where are you blocked where are you limited in your life yeah let's find the root cause of that and let's rewrite the story so that you can move on with your life in a much easier way yeah and so actually ultimately what a lot of regression therapists do as their profession um, right now, some people and this is something that I have done over the last few years is I also will help people regain their memories if they feel like they've got missing time or, you know, have been in a spacecraft or have that experience so we can get to the real story of it and understand why it happened, what the sole contract was for that, because, again, I know it's a sole contract and and. Dolores Cannon has 30 plus years of rich, thousands and thousands of regressions that she did with people, um, where, you know, people were sharing these different lives, these different experiences, and none of it ended up being anything really horrible once they understood that this is just one of like the many experiences that we come to have. And so, yes, there are people who are a little more nefarious in the way that they're operating. But for those, for anyone that's interested in having a regression, you do have to fully trust your sure. therapist because yeah, sure, yeah. you are exposing that vulnerable vulnerable part to yourself. And so, anyone um, that is trained by these people that I mentioned that that is safe. Yeah. Right. Sure. Or it tends to be safe because there are very high standards,
0: yeah well, and that's what that's I would hope so because that again it's as you say it said, and I said it's a very vulnerable state, a lot of trust involved, so let me ask yeah. you this because again i this is just my my pea brain ape brain asking dumb questions, so it, you know uh, you've I'm sure you've heard the term leading the witness yes how How do you ensure, again, going back to your group, the ranks, the people, obviously speaking for yourself and nobody else, but how do you ensure that it's not one of those, that somebody's being led to these conclusions as opposed to being led through their own conclusions? That's a very thin line of, you know, being guided to your own conclusions or being guided to the conclusions that are, you know, a more win-win outcome.
3: Yeah, well, it's all in how the person is asking the question. Yeah,
0: I was just yes. thinking
2: too, pretty more exactly. open-ended questions, right?
3: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And the ultimately, we want to, those of us who, again, work under Brian Weiss, Denise Lynn, Dolores Cannon, I can only speak for those three yeah. um, experts, is that our goal is to get to The higher self, the deepest level of the subconscious mind, where all of those answers are coming from universal source energy, that's where all the wisdom is. And so when we get to that level, the higher self is actually giving that person all the information. So the ego is fully stepped out of the way. We have stepped out of the way and we're allowing that higher self to give the answers to the person.
0: So you're basically just setting the path and then they're walking it. I mean, that's, that's really it. You're laying it out and then they're just, they able to do it.
3: Correct. We are the guides and we're giving choices and the person, choose which path they're
0: taking. Like choose your own adventure.
1: <laughs> it's kind English. of.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so one more question about the hypnotic regression stuff. Do you uh and maybe I don't know if Mr. C has any questions about no, this, I've but one, yeah. um uh when you're doing this, have you ever uh, maybe and again, maybe this is a dumb question. Have you ever demonstrated this live like doing this uh this regression therapy um, where specifically you're helping somebody unlock memories of past lives. So, you know, like maybe audience or whoever, some skeptics uh, that can see this in, in real, you know, real time and see how it works. Is that something that you've ever done?
3: Um, yes. In my retreats oh, okay. and small, small group situations, sure, not in sure. massive because, um, you know, the, the people that are being regressed, they never know what's going to come out. And oh, so sure. sometimes people are very like, oh, I, I don't want people to know my deep inner stuff, you know? Mm.
0: I, I feel and, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But
3: there, there are practitioners that actually um, are starting to show that like on different TV shows, like on Gaia TV, um, where Suzanne Spooner, I think she's been interviewed um, by Ruben Langdon on interviews with EDs where she's showing that process of regressing someone and the person's in deep regression and sharing basically from the higher self. And, um, so there, there are particular practitioners that have a lot of media exposure that are doing it in a mass way on camera to show how yeah. it's done.
0: Nice. So let me ask you what, one more, I'm sorry, Mr. <laughs> C one more. <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I, have I a just, lot of questions, that's I great. <laughs> I, that's great. Uh, uh, have you ever done this or it, it is it only people, and maybe this is a dumb question again, is it only people that believe that they've had some form of experience? Have you ever had somebody that that walked in and said, look, I just want to kind of get a, a better sense of life, uh, maybe a little bit of answers in my life or something like that, maybe doesn't believe in past lives or anything, and then they have an experience of regression that all of a sudden they they realize that they, or is it every one of these people, in one way or another either believes that they have had these experiences or is kind of has a hunch that they've had that comes to you and then you unlock or is there people just blank slate had no clue and then you unlock these memories and they're like my god i had no idea
3: yeah um all of that so
0: oh, okay there,
3: i have had a few clients that didn't necessarily believe in past lives but they knew that the that it would work. Cause even if the root cause of the trauma or the blockage is in their childhood in this life, whatever, wherever that root causes, is, that is, if the soul's ready to bring that up, that is what comes up. And so people don't even have to believe in past lives for this process to work. And so I have had some people that don't necessarily understand past lives. They just knew that they needed some healing. Um, but most of my clients, they know like who I am. They, you know, they they understand what they're getting themselves into, and they typically are on board um, knowing that, okay, we're probably going to go to some other life sure. that's not this one. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's all I got, mister. <laughs> Take it. Take <laughs> it, right. dude. Don't all let right. me hog no, it. No worries. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: So I was going to ask you if you're familiar with the law of one, and what are your thoughts
3: on it? Somewhat. Um, I I haven't studied it, but I have, I guess, a conceptual knowledge of that we are all one. We are all connected mm-hmm. to each other. Is that, am I correct about that?
2: Yes. Yeah. And then they did some uh, regression with that too, where they had an individual that came out and said that they were like raw.
1: Raw. So, yep.
3: Yeah. So um, the, so I primarily channel the Arcturians and they definitely their messages are always about unity that we are all connected we all you know are from source all of that so the higher dimensional et's and dimensionals that is their understanding of reality it's Mm -hmm. just the third fourth dimensional reality ones that are still polarized just like us humans
2: and you know i was thinking too you've talked about past lives a lot here do you think you know in terms of astrology I know the stars have moved a lot from when they originally were, you know, looked at. But like I'm a Taurus, for instance. But do do you feel that, um, you know, from astrology, by the time that you're born into this dimension or, or world, that that has an effect on your past life, or that's why you're here at that certain time?
3: I so that's a really great question and one of my modalities is human design which actually incorporates astrology as one of the pieces of it and and again my mother was an astrologer when i was growing up and so i i do very much understand for myself that i picked the very specific time of my birth the location of my birth to have this specific experience as lisa to come into this
0: reality, oh my gosh! <laughs> what a wonderful singing voice! <laughs>
3: that's what I don't want to oh be.
0: yeah, no, I have cats and it never fails. They always want to get involved.
3: I'm like, I told them, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do a podcast. Do I need to go put you in the garage? Or are you gonna be quiet? <laughs> I guess so that's funny. your life. Well,
0: we I, we love excited yes. animals on this show. We love it. We encourage that type of behavior.
3: So. So anyway, yeah, so the placement of the stars, yes, has changed somewhat, but I mm-hmm. do feel like we we choose what experience we're going to have on this particular adventure ride. Mm-hmm. Again, amusement park of Earth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so, you
2: know, I've studied, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about astrology and everything that I've been watching, which is weird, has come true. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, what is going yeah. on here? <laughs> like, what is That's- happening here, you know?
3: it is an amazing tool to actually explain who we are, how we operate and it can predict things like mm-hmm. in the greater collective of the world. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it, 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 has made sense. It actually kind of freaked me out. It's been so <laughs> legitimate. So I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is strange, well, but.
3: People don't, I mean, I would say mainstream scientists don't see astrology as a science, but it really is Mm -hmm. just like um, hand analysis, not palm reading, but there's scientific hand analysis. That is a science as well. There is predictability in it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've studied palm reading too. And I know like my palm, do you use your dominant hand though in palm reading or not? Do you remember?
3: Well, I, I don't do palm reading. I have friends who do hand analysis, which is Uh slightly different and (laughs) they both hands. They also look at the fingerprints.
2: Can you can you explain a little further on hand analysis? What the difference is?
3: So um, basically, the hands show kind of like astrology and human design, um, numerology. All of these different modalities, they give you clues to what your life purpose is, what your life lessons are, um, things of that nature, like how you operate in the world, mm-hmm. and. Now your fingerprints, they are set in stone, right? Fingerprints never change. And so that is the soul's journey. That's what that's showing you. Whereas your the lines in your hand can actually change over time if things are shifting.
2: Mine have, yeah.
3: And so one of the things that I found out about nine years ago in my hands is that I have a 1% marking here in the palm of my hand where... I am meant to be a spiritual teacher, identity change transformer kind of person. This is actually what opened my mind to changing careers because hmm. I, so I was in science, but then I was a mortgage and then I was an interior designer for 12 years.
1: Oh, wow. So That's cool. Hmm.
3: I never thought that I would ever be doing a business of spiritual teaching, healing, et cetera it was just my personal experience. But when I learned that about myself and my kids also have the same marking, um, what what the lady told me, she's like, you have to walk that path to open the door for your children to be able to walk that path too. Hmm. And so I didn't know what I was gonna do, but then a couple of years later, then past life regression came across my path and I'm like, yes, that's what I'm doing next. So the hands can give you a lot of information about how you do relationships, what your style is. Um, Again, what I'm in the life school of wisdom. All of my fingerprints indicate I'm only in the school of wisdom. There are four schools. So some are in the school of service. I forget what the other two are. But the hands can give you a lot of information about yourself.
0: Hmm. That's amazing
2: i wonder if that's where the government takes your fingerprints. well of
0: course it is <laughs> of course it is mr c
2: is then they know where you're going right? that's why they want to scan
0: your eyeballs you know and yeah, you've heard yeah. that orb, right? that's why they, they yeah that's why they want your dna you know they catalog yeah. everybody's dna yeah, yeah man i yeah
3: well and you know i know a lot of people have fear about that and i'm like again this is just one earth life like, whatever, take my DNA. But do I don't
0: care. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you bring up a good point, which is that, I mean, at least reading deeper into it is that the, the your DNA doesn't contain your soul. And no, so at the end of the day, they can take a little bit of blood. They could take a lot of blood from you, but they're not going to take your spirit. They're not going to take your soul. They're not going right. to take your consciousness. Uh, and they're not going to take your energy that, uh, that eventually uh, is uh, infinite. Exactly. Yeah, that's something I definitely believe in is energy. You know, that's how I have a lot of conversations with spiritual people, even religious people, is that when I talk to them, I just I just translate everything into energy and they they put labels on it. It's as simple as that. But uh, but I still believe in all of it because you can't deny the existence of energy. You just can't. You know, you can feel it in everything. I mean, love is energy. You know, you can, you can feel that the vibes you get when you're around somebody and you instantly connect, um, that's not somebody's at my doorbell. doorbell. (laughs) They're going to have to wait. I don't know who it is anyways, but,
3: um, energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just changes form. And we, we are energy beings. We are way more energy than we are physical.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I mean, I I definitely, I mean, that's one thing, you know, I, I, uh, I've I, had some family members die. And the last one, uh, my grandfather that passed away, I was in the room. Um, and I'd never been in the room when somebody had actually, you know, their life had left them. And, and mm-hmm. I'm, I don't mean to be morbid. I'm not looking at it in a morbid way. It's just to me, I saw the moment that his energy left him. I saw it. I witnessed it. Uh, that, it was... I don't know if impactful is the word. It was eye opening for me yeah. because I had never until that moment, I had kind of thought about it, you know, and yeah, I kicked it around, you know, the idea of, uh, of that, you know, the energy moving on and that we move on beyond our physical body. But I didn't really like give it a whole lot of more weight than that. But being in the room when my grandfather passed away and being like, he's alive and now mm-hmm. he's not and you can clearly see the life has left him. To me, I was like, "Okay, there is definitely something there. There is yeah. definitely something there that moves on." Uh, even is. in his state, he was in a very weak state. You know, was nonverbal and everything, but still, you could still see life in him, and that was incredibly eye opening for me. And so that's the moment that I—I uh, I mean, I was fairly agnostic before that, but but and, uh, you know, up till that point. I was like, okay, there's definitely something going on. I don't know what it is, Mm -hmm. but there's definitely something here. And it actually put me at ease Mm -hmm. because up till that point, I was a little nervous about dying. You know, what am I, what if I'm wrong, you know, about, about this? What if I'm not, you know, am I putting my soul in jeopardy by not believing in something, you know, whatever. And uh, so after seeing that, I, it kind of put me at ease being like, ah, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be so worried about it since, you know, our energy, it truly, our consciousness is, is, uh, it, people talk about that all the time, being in comas, uh, being catatonic where their brain is still fully functional.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: They're still living in their brain. So there's, there's anyways, it just, it just, uh, so I definitely believe in that, but, uh, well,
3: and one, one of the things I would love to just say real fast. Yes, is please. When people, experience doing past life regressions and they get to see that they are more than just this one life that this is just a costume Mm -hmm. it takes away the fear of death because they know oh okay I'm just going to transition to something else I'm going to go back to the light have my light review choose what my next life is and off I go
0: I'm coming back (laughs) as a unicorn (laughs) but with a really big horn (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) Could you say your horny baby? <laughs> a really, really big horn. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I love it. I love it. I I, I love your message. Mm-hmm. That's we. I I kind of told you on the phone before we we did the episode. We talked a little bit beforehand, and I kind of told you that we had a a gentleman on very nice conversation that we had. Damien Dumas, um, book uh, Last Harvest, but it was a very, very depressing dark message the world's gonna end in 2025 so kiss your ass goodbye is basically what it was and uh and so i i thoroughly enjoy (laughs) your message of hope you know and love i mean that's what it's really about that's the way we should look at it you know and and uh i just i love the idea that you're you're saying like don't worry about it you're an infinite being Mm -hmm. you are and
3: all timelines exist simultaneously (laughs) and so even in this this earth experience, we can timeline shift and we do all the time without realizing it. But so one of the things that my Arcturians are always reminding me and my, my clients is look, choose the timeline that you want to be a part of, because there is a reality where we are awakening. We are ascending to a fifth dimensional reality as humans and mother Gaia is doing that. And so we can live in love and harmony and unity and peace. And so if you stay in a state of joy, passion and coming from love and getting over your judgment and the polarity of the world, then you you are shifting into that reality. And no matter what's going on around you, your neighbors might be experiencing a completely different reality than what you are. And yeah. so... My world is not ending in 2025. I'm going a different direction. There
0: you go. There you go. I like it. I like it. Reality is all what you make of it. It's That's right. That's right. So going going back to what you do, uh, explain to me, uh, to us, the audience and everybody, what uh, quantum cosmic healing is or the process of that.
3: This is my own modality that I actually have currently. Um, I'm trying to get it service marked um, Mm. as its own modality. And so what I've done, all of the different trainings that I've done (laughs) over the years throughout my whole life, um, what I realized was I'm doing a form of energy healing that is truly coming from higher dimensional realms. And so part of it is regression. Part of it is light language that comes through me. Part of it is energy from those higher realms coming through me that's moving into my client. And part of it is sound healing and some other things that go along with it. And really, what the purpose of it is, is to heal the emotions that are stuck in the body because it's the emotions that cause physical illness. Mm -hmm. They are the root cause of a lot of physical illness. Now that's different than maybe getting into a car accident where you have a physical impact. But when we have disease in the body, um, illness, you know, some people think, Oh, well, I'm genetically predisposed to having this illness. Well, guess what? You can change that. No, you do not have to express that DNA. So it's the trapped emotions that create this. And so when we can identify where those emotions are stuck and we can release it through this process, and there are different modalities that people do that do this as well. So this is just my own thing that I help my clients with. We break up those emotions, we release it. And then when those emotions have been cleared, then people can move forward with their life and they have healings from their illnesses. They have... You know, it it can be miraculous.
2: That actually reminds me of an experiment they did with plants. I don't know if you've heard of that or not, Lisa, where they played like really kind, like gentle music and the plants grew very well and yes. you know, were uplifted. But then a gentleman would come in the room and start yelling and screaming angrily and the plants would all droop over and just that yeah. negative energy and the sound possibly, you know.
3: Yes. And so sound really the energy of sound penetrates our cells like other things can't Mm -hmm. so sound is extremely healing and you know it is part of the medicine of the future um i not that i am anti-western medicine but i only go to a western doctor if absolutely necessary because i know that the body has an amazing ability to heal itself it just Mm -hmm. has to remember and the person has to get out of their own way
0: well, and there's so many things on this earth that surround us all the time that are have amazing preventative power that that's that's the one of the biggest uh, advantages of natural medicine is that when you start early as preemptively as you can, it has a ton of preventative power. But so many people. Are you know, especially society kind of promotes the idea of, well, go see your doctor first. And I'm not saying anything like you said. I'm not saying anything against Western medicine. However, it's kind of taught to us, well, instead of taking some natural approaches first to help, you know, stem us from having these things to begin with like inflammation and pain and stuff like that, we we go to a doctor who puts us on prescriptions that limit our ability to be able to absorb natural compounds as effectively yeah. anyways. It
1: you exactly. Yeah, exactly. so it,
0: it's really, really tough when you have somebody. I, I run a little CBD shop uh, for my day job. And so I talk to a lot of people that are 20, 30 years of hard, Pharmaceutical narcotics, and then they're looking into natural preventative power. And at that point, it is so much more limited than mm-hmm. if you had gotten started the twenty, thirty years ago. You'd find that you were much better off, and so that's what's hard about that. And of course, like like you're saying, <clears throat> the idea of the emotional stress is a killer. You know, these the, it, it, very much so emotions can uh, dwindle your light and your your energy. So. For sure, it's absolutely, you gotta, that's why being, you know, the, all these little cliches, it takes more muscles to frown than it does to <laughs> smile. You know, that's why it's so important though, is it's it's not just about the muscles in your face. I mean, that's to get vain people to follow along, but it's it's about the idea that, look, it doesn't take much to put positive energy out in the world. It doesn't take much. In fact, it takes far less than it does to go around being angry. It it seems easy to be angry. It seems like it. But you got to hold on to that shit. You know, whereas being positive, you can find a ton of reasons to be positive. I suppose you can find a lot of reasons to be negative, too. But, (laughs) you know, it's so much better. I I love being, you know, not like I'm a beacon of light or anything, but I thoroughly enjoy walking into a room and making people happy as opposed Mm -hmm. to walking into a room and complaining. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know?
3: I mean, yeah, I just there in my earlier life, I, I had a lot of um, trauma and anger and stuff I had to work through. And when I was able to really work through it and come out on the other side of feeling worthy myself and feeling lovable myself, when we are lovable and worthy within ourselves, we can give that out to the world. And so the more healing that people can do. Um, then the more light they're going to be able to shine, you know, out to their community, their world. And so healing really is at, at a human level like that. That's really what I think we're here to do. Yeah. Um, And again, there are so many ways to do it. Just pick one and start there and, you know, we can heal ancestral trauma. We can heal the epigenetic lineage. Um you know, it really, and that is where my world is shifting again to this fifth dimensional reality and others, you know, there is no right or wrong or good or bad ultimately. And so if people want to stay stuck, they're just not, it's not their time. And there is no right or wrong time. I just happen to be on a different timeline. Mm -hmm.
0: Very interesting. So let me ask you this, you had talked earlier about, uh, I believe you had mentioned light language. Mm -hmm. Um, so can you give us an example of this light language with your hands or your voice? I mean, is it something that you can do in that? I mean, how does that work?
3: So um, light language comes through different people, different ways.
0: And so Ah.
3: some people write it, some people speak it or sing it. And some people um, do it through their hands and some people do all three, you know, you can do any combination. So at this point um, I, I, can write it and I realized when I was a child I was writing it all the time but now over the last couple of years it's been really coming strongly through my hands and mm. so it's just I had some kind of activation that I can't really talk about the, the specifics of but after that activation I, I took a nap for a few hours and I came out of that nap and all my all of a sudden my hands just started moving like crazy. And what I realized was that was light language coming through. And what it does is it changes the energy of my body, but it also changes the energy of anyone that's in my reality. And so light language isn't something that can necessarily be defined what Mm. what's coming out, but it's an energy that you can feel. Mm. And so like I can, i don't know the video it might be jumpy but i
0: know i'm sorry
3: but like you know it's it's just for me it just comes through my hands as a movement and now as i'm doing it i'm having full body chills hmm. so, so it's it's, an-
0: it's like cosmic gang signs <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's, wow that's rad <laughs> that's rad. bloods and crips yo uh <laughs> so that's fascinating um Okay, so now you mentioned earlier you couldn't go into your specific awakening. Does that mean it's kind of like an abstract concept um, that you have a hard time holding on to, or you're sworn to secrecy?
3: Uh, well, that was not an awakening, that was an activation. Oh, oh activation.
0: And, I used the wrong word. I apologize.
3: And I was sworn to secrecy oh. by, the, by the beings who activated me. I couldn't, wow. they said if I said all of what it was and who they were that it would be taken away from me
0: oh wow (laughs) so why do you i mean did they do you have an idea of why i mean why why would they want you to keep that a secret
3: um because i think the person who was channeling that she tries to stay very secret about Mm. her ability.
0: Uh, it's
2: probably a smart idea with everything going on. Ah, yeah. Well, you know, you can't be too <laughs>
0: careful these days. Yeah, you know, yeah, I get exactly. that.
3: Yeah. So the deal was that you know, I could never mention her name or who the beans were, and wow. yeah.
0: Okay. Wow, that's so fascinating. I honor that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I mean, I would say, I don't, I don't know if I had a true awakening because I came in to, to this life pretty awake. Mm -hmm. And getting exposed to all of this information at a very early age, remembering who I am and where I came from, I didn't have to have the necessarily like, oh, my God, everything's different. Because it just was always like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, sure. So So you basically, I mean, again, you it just... I mean, it just sounds to me like you're saying you were, you were, this, this has been your purpose. I mean, maybe I'm saying to, you know, putting too many words in your mouth or whatever, but uh, you're basically saying that you, you, this was what all of your past lives, everything has led you to do.
3: For this expression. Yes. But, but again, all lives are parallel. They're existing simultaneously. So we are multidimensional beings. And so, I have other lives that I'm currently living right now in different places and I can tap into those lives. And that's actually how I tap into this cosmic energy that I channel um, because it's just an aspect of me that I'm, I'm tuning into and letting that expression come through. And so this Lisa life, um, yes, there was prep work done when I was in the womb to get my body ready because I am part of the hybrid program as well and that. an interesting topic um so i have hybrid children wow um so i i'm here to be all things cosmic galactic as this expression now again it took me many years to have the courage to actually out myself because i wanted to be normal and fit in and people to like me and not think i'm crazy and I want to, you know, I had a perfectionist streak. So yeah. every career I did, I wanted to be the best, the top. And sure. so I had to hide the spiritual woo-woo side of myself oftentimes. But now I just get to let my freak flag fly.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. How does yeah. your, how does your, how does, I, I envision like two brains inside of your head. I envision like the scientist brain and then the freak flag f- flying <laughs> brain. And how do, how do you reconcile? I mean, clearly, you are very grounded in science, obviously, as a biologist. You, you clearly understand science and evidence and the scientific method and what that entails. So it's not like you're ignoring any of this. But how, yeah. how do you reconcile... That side of your brain, the scientific training side that I would argue can't validate this stuff yet. And that's with what you believe and what you see in all that stuff, yeah, that's the key is yet.
3: The key is the yet because yeah. if we look at our history of science and what we know and understand, and we have made huge steps, right, in being able to understand things compared to the 1900s, the 1800s, you know. A, 0 BC, And so we don't have the tools, the techniques, the modalities to quantify and gather the evidence the way that scientists in their very limited thinking um, want to understand things. And so I, as a scientist, can see the history and know there's so much more that we don't understand. We are like, we don't know everything. And a really good scientist stays open-minded, yeah, right? Yeah, sure, yeah, of course. Because how are you going to discover new things if you're not open-minded? If you're already like, no, that doesn't exist. I can't believe that. And so, I had a really good friend in grad school who he was very skeptical about all the things that I was talking about, even quantum mechanics back in you know 2000. He's very skeptical about that. And I'm, and his girlfriend, my roommate at the time, she was like you would be one of the ones burning Galileo at the stake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a bit, what a guilt trip. Yeah. That's great.
3: <laughs> but it's true. It's so you, true. Have, you have, you know, we're pretty limited and we are expanding all the time. And yeah. um, so back when I was in academia 20 plus years ago, the idea of studying consciousness at that, graduate school level and um, professor level didn't really exist it was on the fringe mm-hmm. where now it's actually becoming more mainstream epigenetics is mainstream now where when dr bruce lipton started it in the 60s at stanford it was quite fringe um, so we're, we're having advancements it's just really slow
1: sure
2: you well in it- controlled. The- pardon I think the science is controlled. That's why oh. I'm actually a science teacher. I'll just say it's it. Screw it.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
3: You're so right. It is controlled. And even yeah. like that higher level where you're trying to get grant money to do your research. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are not within the normal little parameters of what they deem is, you know, they want to give money to well, you are not going to get funding. Mm-hmm. And so it is extremely controlled.
0: That's, I mean, that is such a common theme in almost every aspect of academia, from archaeology to astronomy. I mean, you (laughs) name it, it's like, if you don't fit inside this box, fuck you. I mean, it's just straight up, I mean, they really don't, I mean, if you look at like, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about these people, but if you look at like Graham Hancock, what he's talking about, about, uh, you know, a, a species with amnesia, and you've got Randall Carlson, who has found absolute evidence of these catastrophes that have taken place numerous times throughout history, you know, Earth's history, wiped out civilizations. And, uh, you know, you go even further to like things like ancient aliens, Book of Enoch, Uh where you start looking into, you know, something I point out a lot is why is it that we take the Mayan calendar so seriously to the point to where we literally build our entire calendar and time based on that? But yet all their stories of origins and beliefs are myth. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fascinating what they cherry pick to utilize yeah. and not utilize when it seems very obvious that why would they? It, I say this all the time, too, is why it would be like us carving Cinderella story into <laughs> granite. It would make no sense for them to go spend their entire lives if it was as hard as it seems. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was like they had a laser pen and they're just doodling. <laughs> but, you know, it seems to me like they painstakingly intense care to pass yeah. these messages along. And yet we just go, eh, with stories. Right. But it's like, no way, man. No way. Why would they go so hard on these stories to to ensure that they went survived thousands and thousands and thousands of years for what reason
1: right
3: well and that is that's the other thing is that you know I if any of my grad school friends were listening to this or seeing this they would be like okay Lisa is completely off her rocker because I totally believe in the ancient alien theory and I've experienced that as a life so that, that Syrian life that I told you about, right, as the genetic engineer. There were other Syrians of us that were down boots on the ground teaching people during these super ancient Egypt times how to do sound thought levitation to build the pyramids. Mm-hmm. And so getting to see that, and they were teaching them the medicine, the astronomy, the agriculture, and having lives in places like Atlantis and Lemuria and other like super ancient cultures. I know those are real. I have experienced them. I have clients that have experienced them. They're not making the shit up. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you think Atlantis and- is where do you think like our species maybe came from a different planet and then we're related oh. to these Atlanteans?
3: Well, so we, we definitely were seated here by other civilizations. So um, to give you just a little brief, um, I guess, Cliff Notes version of galactic evolution of the human form. So mm-hmm. the original human form is said to have started in the Lyra constellation. Some people say Lyra, I say Lyra. Um, so in Lyra, they then colonized out to different star systems. And so the first group to come to earth was, were the vegans. Vega is the largest or the brightest star in the Lyra constellation. They came during the time of the early dinosaurs and so they were humans that arrived. Some of those vegans incorporated some of the reptilian DNA into their bodies to create a, a hybrid um, human reptilian. Others put even more reptilian DNA into their bodies to create a reptilian, a lot more to that reptilian rather than human form. So then you have some of these groups then leaving Earth. Some of them went inside of Earth. Mm-hmm. Then you have groups of lyrans coming to earth so they were known as earth lyrans and they incorporated some of the primate dna into their bodies so that they could physically live here easier and they there was warring going on with different et factions that were coming to earth because earth was this big experimental kind of playground
1: like a petri right? <laughs>
3: yeah exactly exactly and so the Earth Larens, they actually ended up leaving planet Earth and went to the Pleiades constellation. And so ultimately they became Pleiadians. Mm-hmm. Now, they, that is why they look so human. They look Nordic because mm-hmm. they landed in the Scandinavia region of Earth. That's where they originated. And so, so then they, ultimately the Pleiadians that were originally Earth Larens came back to Earth to teach the people of Lemuria. Um their spiritual ways and how to live in harmony and all of that. And so, as a civilization, Lemuria started a couple hundred thousand years before Atlantis existed. Huh. And they were very harmonious, very spiritually advanced, not a lot of technology. And then at some point, Atlantis developed. They were the opposite. Atlantis was highly technological, not as spiritual they ended up developing nuclear type weapons, which then ultimately destroyed their civilization. And that directly impacted Lemuria. So basically it destroyed the Lemurian civilization. And so Lemuria um, was a continent that spanned from Easter Island here to Hawaii, where I am, down through Indonesia, Micronesia, New Zealand, maybe incorporated part of Australia. And so we are the remnant mountaintop islands essentially of the Lemurian continent. So all of these Pacific Rim countries, including Japan, have this history, this mythology, spiritual understanding that they come directly from the Pleiadian star people because of this Lemurian memory of the Pleiadians actually having boots on the ground, being here, teaching them.
0: Wow. So there's no doubt, not only is there no doubt, you were there. So you have firsthand accounts of this taking place so the book of enoch true yeah
3: yeah all that's I'll, true all of it's true wow now you know there are different interpretations just like the sure. bible and rewritten and changed and things taken <laughs> in and out so it you know history is based on the perception of whoever is writing it
2: yeah the winner <laughs> yeah
1: yeah <laughs>
3: Exactly. But when you have multiple people who do not know each other, sharing similar memories, experiences of these lifetimes in Lemuria in Atlantis and other, you know, ancient civilizations, um, they're independent of each other and they validate each other. And yeah. so I, you can't refute that in my mind. Now, I just spent two weeks in Peru. I just got back a couple weeks ago. Ooh. and. I was there to do like an ancient alien, modern alien tour of Peru because Peru is very active and it has a lot of megalithic structures around and being there, you know, it was, it was so powerful to see these stones, see the, like the precision of the carving and even the different angles and how they fit together and the stones, you can't even put the paper in between. Exactly. I mean, like, (laughs) <laughs> that is not technology that the Incans had. That's no. the story. Oh, the Incans built this? No, they did not.
0: <laughs> no, no. Well, that's. I, I don't know if you follow. Uh, I can never get his name right, so I always just say his channel name is e- uh, Uncharted X. Mm. You ever heard of this? No. It's like Ben Von. I, can't, I can never I get it. it. Starts with a K. I. I don't know. Anyways, this guy is like along with Graham Hancock is the leading guy on breaking down what you just talked about, the the structure, the architecture, the technology used to build these structures that we still cannot replicate. The fact that there are gigantic statues cut from one solid piece of limestone or granite that right. we cannot replicate. The boxes that have been found in some of the pyramids that are like 24 feet long, um six feet wide that are gi- gigantic that aren't aren't made for tombs if they were they're tombs for giants um right. but they're they're- they're like a perfect within one one thousandth of an inch perfection ninety degree angle and they're like there's no way they could have made this we can't make this still no. uh, right. i don't know if you saw the recent but it's the vase the vase collection is unbelievable the the different vase stuff that they have um but there's a there's this guy again that from uncharted x he showcases this uh most recent vase that they found that's like five thousand years old made from granite what made from one solid piece again one one thousandth of an inch but of perfect asymmetrical and it's got handles on the outside again one solid piece, not two handles that were like, weld. how do you even fucking weld granite? But not not <laughs> welded on, not attached, not like, you know, nothing. It was one. So- and they, so they say today, today, with all the technology we have, supposedly, who knows, um, that we would not be able to create that without a Turing machine. Yeah. Which is basically 3D printing it, the image out of a 3D model, uh, you know, created on a computer to do that. That there's no way they could have done it by how the mainstream archaeology says that they accomplished that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are references upon references upon references to this on top yeah. of the fact of just the structures of the pyramids themselves, all the surrounding areas that we've barely excavated all of it, all of it. Uh, Gebekli Tepe that is popped up. It's unbelievable the things. And as Graham Hancock says, shit just keeps getting older. Mm-hmm.
3: It does. It does. Well, and you know, when I was in Peru, it's interesting because tour guides there are licensed by the government and oh, they are really, still, yes, they have to have a script, the, the um, government story of how <laughs> things are developed. Isn't that and, funny? And, yeah. Well, and so what's interesting funny is said. that we were um, at Ollantaytambo, which that was the first site that we went to that had megalithic structures and They're like, oh yeah, the Incans built this 600 years ago, and I'm like, bullshit, bullshit. (laughs) And so my husband, he was there with me, and he's like, shh, zip it. Oh, so you
0: were out loud calling bullshit.
3: (laughs) So what's funny about it is I'm glad I was because I'm like, well, what about the ancient Mm Incans? To our guide Al, and he pulls me aside. He's like, he's like you know about that i'm like yeah he's like i totally believe in that
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's so sad that they have to i mean it's funny but at the same time it's so sad that they have to you know that even they know and they still they they have to like pull you aside like it's some drug deal on the side you know instead of it's inform it's knowledge it's human origins it's unbelievable to me
3: well and have you guys heard of the elongated skulls that were found in Peru? oh yes oh yes so I brought this gym back for those oh, awesome. oh, sweet. And so the really cool thing about these elongated skulls. So they found 18 um, in Peru that have a completely different anatomy than human structure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they there are elongated skulls that were human created because they bound the heads from child, you know, babies. Yeah. They
2: bind them, the right? To what represent right? their gods. Yeah. Yeah. And-
3: Exactly. But the skulls that they found, they have a different anatomy in that we as humans have a sagittal suture down
1: our yes. skull.
3: And we have a different anatomy in our palate area. And these skulls that they found do not have a sagittal suture. It's just one bone and their palate is completely <clears throat> a different anatomy. And they just recently did DNA analysis coming back, not human. And so wow. they were being featured in the museum in Lima, um, several years ago, but they took them off of display, maybe because they're too controversial.
0: Isn't that funny?
3: Hiding this information. And at some point, it will come out.
0: Well, I mean, the Smithsonian has been complicit. It's come out. I I don't know if you saw a while back. I don't even remember what year it was. I want to say it was like maybe 2016, 2018, somewhere around there, where they were given a federal order that they had to release information as to whether they had been uh, concealing evidence of uh, of ancient bones and stuff, and it came yeah. out that not only had they been concealing, they had been destroying evidence of yeah. of all kinds of. Uh, I mean, the you know, obviously because it's destroyed or hidden, there's no confirmation. But but the rumors are that they were giant bones. Yeah. Right. That there was all kinds of evidence of these of these very weird, anomalous things that either led back, you know, uh, humans to long before the uh, than what is uh, is touted in mainstream. Right. But but far more than that. And so it's it's basically a known thing that the Smithsonian has been a complicit. The hard part is the fact that they're the guys.
1: Yeah. It the, is. They and are the,
0: the, the Smithsonian Institute are the guys that are called to go out and run this shit. And they're involved in the cover up of the yes. human origin stories. That's why we need to right. go to the Grand Canyon. That's yeah. supposed to where they
2: hide all this stuff and you can't go okay. there actually.
3: Interesting.
0: Yeah. I fascinating.
3: mean, it, it does, yeah. So it's like, why is science so afraid of the truth? you know, it, it, there's something massively going on, but that. You know that's part of the disinformation campaign that's been going on for decades, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, well, and you know, you've basically what you've been highlighting throughout all of this is something that I think is the key to why it's being kept secret is that humans have far more power than what we're told, we have far yeah. more connection to the cosmos, to the universe, to everything in general than what we're told, and that I think the truth. You know, obviously, you have your truth connected to to the the cosmos, but I think a lot of truth of where human origins come from is still underneath our feet. You know, it's it's in places of the cradle of civilization that we have not dug into enough. Um, yeah. It's in places like the Amazon. It's in pla- It's in the. It's under the ocean. It's in places where it's known. Well, why is it that we haven't excavated over eighty percent of these sites? Why is that? Why is it that we haven't explored over 80% of our oceans? Why is that? Because potentially that's where the real answers lie and they don't want us having the answers. That's why they're sending us to Mars and they're sending us to the moon and they're talking about UAPs in Congress. Um, You know, I feel like it's taking away from potentially the true nature of the conversation, which is it's within us already. Mm -hmm. So how do we unlock that? It's not by going into space. It's by being more connected with what we were already given.
3: Yes, I totally agree with you. And the more that we understand that, that we have all the answers inside, everything is within us. Yeah. We create own reality. The more empowered we are, the more that we can love one another and stop the warring, stop the polarity that's going on.
0: Yeah, I agree. So let me ask you a question. Let's get a little... Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, Whatever, I'm just going to ask it. I I can't think of the term. Uh, 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 Do you uh, uh, religious? Do you believe in God?
3: Um, I don't call it God because I did not grow up going to church, and I actually (laughs) I still like ego. Lisa has a charge on the Christian God, the so-called you know the fire and brimstone kind of experience of. I grew up in my early life in Oklahoma City in the Bible Belt. And uh, yes, yes. So I believe in source in universal energy. That's what I call it. Um, it is the same thing in a way, but I understand it, uh, I think, from a different perspective than people who go to church. So that have religion. I am spiritual, I am not religious.
2: I like okay. Yeah. Would you consider that the original consciousness then?
3: Yes. Yes, and maybe there was even something before
0: that. Oh, like a more OG consciousness
1: <laughs> yeah. than what
0: than what we're told about. Yeah, it's it's kind of like yeah, it's it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's a, it's kind of like uh, MC Jazzy Jeff and Dr. Dre. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like one brought the other. Uh, it's yeah, you know, the reason I asked that question, and you've you've answered it multiple times throughout this. The reason I like to ask that, it's kind of a common question I ask people when they're talking about just general spirituality and things like that, because so many people label their deity as God. Mm -hmm. That's what they label it as, their belief, whatever. And so I always like for people to kind of just break down either what that means to them, because I have had people that are very much like you. They believe in all of this, um, and then they also believe in God. And I find that fascinating. And then I've met people that are straight atheists that believe in aliens, which I find that fascinating. And then you have people that are very religious and they believe in God that don't believe in aliens at all. And I find that fascinating uh, because I'm like, I go, you know, uh, I mean, it seems very obvious to me, but it seems when I, I've asked people this live on the show and had them go, oh, I never really thought of it that way. And I go, how could you not, you know, how could you not, how could you be an atheist and believe in aliens when it's kind of the same idea as God? And then same thing, how can you believe in God and not believe in aliens? Because, you know, it seems to me to be the same thing. It's very, very fascinating. So I just like to get people's take on, you know, the yeah. God thing, you know,
3: I, again, I just, the way that religions have Um, portrayed God or universe or source is um, really (laughs) it's not empowering it's actually controlling tyrannical yes it's
2: limited
0: right
3: yes very limited and so it it puts people in different camps that are like well my god's better than your god it's like Mm -hmm. you're talking about the same thing
0: yeah exactly
1: yeah so. I,
0: I've been, I've been in, and again, you know, I don't say any of this to pick on anybody. You know, my whole thing is I just like to explore. But I've mm-hmm. I've been my family was very religious and kind of drugged me from church to church to church, and uh, which was very fascinating to me because I got a lot of different outlooks on the same thing. Uh, yeah. One of the most eye-opening things to me was I we went to this uh, you know Wednesday night meeting where basically all the older guys in the church were arguing about the Bible, and uh, and it was very interesting to watch these two guys that were literally yelling at each other in a church building about the the passage in uh, Mark, Luke, and John, where they're talking about Jesus raising Lazarus. And uh, they were arguing about whether it was dusk or twilight. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind. Because it, in my mind as a kid, I'm going... Is the miracle not the dead guy <laughs> yeah. oh,
1: it's the rising?
0: Too, right? Like, yeah. what does it matter yeah. <laughs> whether the sun was at four o'clock or three o'clock? Like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. There's, a, there's a gentleman mm-hmm. that is, is apparently the son of God that's raising people from the dead. Mm-hmm. What are you focusing on here? But yeah. it's like they were so, they had gone over the material so much, they had lost the sense of wonder mm-hmm. in the stories. It had now become about arguing the semantics of those stories. And so they had completely, in my opinion, they had completely lost the point of the stories. And it just, that's what blew my mind. It really made me start to rethink, as you had said, organized religion, because I'm like, spirituality seems like so much more of an open and freeing concept because it's very personalized.
3: It is very personalized. And again, there's no right or wrong, you know, yeah there really is not and yeah. everyone's gonna have their own experiences their own way of perceiving reality and they're gonna have multiple experiences to come at it from different ways through their different lives yeah and ultimately we all come from the same place i believe and we're all gonna return to the same place
0: yeah well and that's That's the idea. I mean, I, I love that. Let me, let me ask you this. So I got, I got a few more questions and I don't know what you got, Mr. (laughs) Z, but, um, what evidence aside from your past lives? So let's take, let's take personal experience out of it. Let's what, what kind of evidence as a scientist have you seen, if any, that confirms these beliefs that you have?
3: So one of the really cool things is when they, um, Sequence the human genome. Yeah. Normally with DNA, it's very smooth, right? It's, there are no kinks, there's nothing. But they actually found kinks and splicing, like we had been genetically modified, our DNA had been genetically modified. And they don't like to talk about that. Mm. Uh, So that's some evidence. (laughs) So in our
0: DNA, the evidence is in our DNA?
1: It
3: is. Okay. the so-called junk DNA that we have, why would we have junk? Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's DNA that just hasn't necessarily been activated, but as we are awakening, evolving, that DNA is getting activated. And at some point we will have access to all of those superpowers.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Okay. Based on the junk DNA, let me ask you this. I recently had a gallbladder removed that I would call junk. So let me, let me ask you this. If I have a junk gallbladder, could we not have junk DNA potentially?
3: Why would we have 98% junk
0: DNA? Oh, it's 98%? That's what they're saying? Yeah, any,
3: 90, yeah. 90, 98%. It's a lot.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It's well, kind of like... That seems unlikely. Things, so. <laughs> yeah, it seems unlikely that 90% of our DNA yeah. is quote unquote junk. <laughs> I, I can definitely see how some of the people I meet... I could see that, but not everybody. Not everybody.
2: Just the reptilians don't want us to know who they are. <laughs> not
0: I'm not you, man, everybody. Every show,
2: I got to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, clearly,
0: clearly. That's fascinating. That's a, so. I that is that's what I always like to ask is like the evidence that's really, really compelling. You know, that's very compelling in the DNA. So, so okay. So again, to reiterate, the there are parts in the DNA that uh, that appear spliced. Yes. And so, and so it's, it's fascinating. Wow. That's fascinating.
3: So, What it looks like is when we genetically modify a plant or an animal, you can see where that splicing happens. Mm -hmm. And so that, that is what they found. Now they kept it very hush hush because they, they don't want to try to have to explain something that they're like, okay, we don't know why that's showing that way.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. Wonderful. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, look, something we haven't talked about much on this yet is your book, mm-hmm. which is exactly I exactly, I have to tell you.
2: Oh, they're moving. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to tell you, uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I I love I love the message, I love the information. It's it's uh it's just such a positive message um it's great and so one of the things that really uh, caught my eye is towards the end of the book you have that you it's 50 years in the making it, this book is so basically your whole this one life that you're living currently right now you've been you've been basically putting this book together I mean, how, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I mean, has it been your whole life or, you know?
3: I'm 50. Okay. So pretty, I mean, pretty much since in the womb when I was getting tinkered with, um, it's been the process.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's fa- So So what was the, what was the push I mean, clear. I don't I don't know. Maybe you did start writing this 50 years ago right out of the womb. Give me a pen. But uh, (laughs) what what (laughs) when did you actually decide to put pen to paper? Uh, When was it? What pushed you to say, I'm going to actually get this down in a book and put it out that way?
3: So I moved to Hawaii two and a half years ago from Olympia, Washington and Olympia. Really? Yes.
0: Wow, that's pretty close to us, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, No, yeah.
3: Okay, cool. So yeah, so I moved from Olympia and in Olympia I still had my very mainstream interior design home staging business. Hmm. I was running that simultaneously with my spiritual business. So I still had to pretend to be somewhat normal. (laughs) And when I moved here to Hawaii, I the I shut down design business and i could fully just immerse myself in the spiritual business well when i started the ufo tours two years ago i started sharing my experiences on the tours i was talking about it and i have written other books on different spiritual topics but so i was um actually say one of my books is sacred soul design Mm. um i also have sacred soul love so those are very different aspects of spiritual things but so when i was speaking it i just i'm like you know maybe i need to start writing this so i started blogging because at one point i had a very active blog so i was writing some of my different stories and some of my fault my people were like i feel a new book coming
1: <laughs> and <laughs>
3: And so they actually inspired me to create the book, and so it was written last year. I wrote it in just a couple months because I realized wow. with all my blogs, I already had a lot of content, and I'm a really prolific writer. Once I get on a roll, I can I can write a book in a month or two. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so I I am. People were really reaching out to me like. Thank you for sharing this information. I feel validated in my own experiences. I feel seen. I feel normal. Thank you. And so that really inspired me to get the book out there because I felt like I had to hide myself for most of my life. I couldn't really show up in who I am because I wanted to, again, fit in. Well, now I don't care about fitting in. <laughs> I'm here <laughs> to like wake people up in a sense or yeah. shine my light and find my tribe. And so um so writing the book was actually a very cathartic experience for me because I was like coming out of the closet so to speak, right?
0: Yeah. And
3: and so now um it's just led I I have a, another book that's almost finished that Oh, you already? Hmm. Yeah, that I'll be putting out later this year and it's just going to keep coming that's like more Yeah.
0: That's great, right on. So, your other books, Sacred Soul Love and uh, Sacred Soul Spaces. Which which one of those came first? Where'd you start?
3: Okay, so Sacred Soul Spaces came first, okay, uh, because I was still in the design world. And what that book is, it's combining my science um, because there are really important principles of color physiology, color psychology. And so I was bringing in my science, my spirituality, and just basic design principles to create a multi dimensional environment that supports and nurtures your dreams and goals. Hmm. Because how you like the imagery that you put in your space, even the way the furniture is positioned, the amount of stuff affects your mind. Clutter.
2: Yeah,
3: so it's part feng shui um, and just energy. And, and so anyway, so that book came first and then because I was already on a writing role, um, I have two ex-husbands, I'm married for my third time. And after that second husband, I realized, okay. And both of them were really toxic relationships. The first one, extremely abusive, actually.
0: That's unfortunate.
3: And and so (laughs) what I realized after that second marriage was that I was the common denominator Mm and attracting those people. And so I did deep dive healing for myself, I needed to heal those wounded parts of not feeling lovable, not feeling worthy. And so I went through a bunch of different techniques, modalities to really do that inner deep dive healing, which is why I think healing is so important for everyone, because I personally experienced this. And then, so when I was able to heal and it's always a lifelong process, there are deeper layers that always come up, but I had done some really deep dive healing and I met the love of my life. And so I decided, okay, well, that's a good book to write. So then I wrote the book, Sacred Soul Love, Manifesting True Love and Happiness by Revealing and Healing Blockages and Limitations. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm writing my experiences, what I know.
0: That's how I write. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's great. I mean, what better, what better way to do it? And it seems to me like you've really found your voice in this. I mean, you know, clearly the ability to be able to write down so clearly and so quickly. I mean, I would say a lot of writers would call that pretty, pretty good. Um, Be able to get that down um, is phenomenal. And, and, you know, based on the fact that you're very open to channeling, I would imagine, you know, when you talk to a lot of artists, one of the biggest struggles that they have is channeling the muse, you know, right. channeling that inspiration into something creative. So being a channeler and being connected to such a larger um, picture, I guess uh, I would imagine would be a little bit, uh, I don't want to diminish the effort you put into, but, but would be a little bit easier to gain that inspiration maybe.
3: Um. Yes, for yeah. sure. And, um, I mean, you said it beautifully, so channeling doesn't have to just be like other dimensional beings channeling can come through any creative expression. So I used to be a dance choreographer, so I channel that energy. I make jewelry. I channel that creative energy. People who, you know, make music or other art, they are, it's a form of channeling. And so, um, I, with the writing, basically, I kind of get out of my own way and I just let it flow through me. There you go.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's a gigantic struggle for a lot of artists is simply to get out of the way. You know, something, another theme that's kind of come up a lot is ego, the loss of ego, the fact that you've really let that go. Um, and that leads me to, have you ever dabbled in psychedelics? Yes.
1: Oh, but, <laughs> so
0: you're an artist um, like me You had to. <laughs> um,
3: so in college, um, so I went to the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington, mm-hmm. and we have psychedelic mushrooms growing on campus there. So, <laughs> wow, um,
0: that's um. awesome.
3: And Paul, I always forget his last name, the mushroom guy. Oh, Stamets. You know? Yeah. He oh, was yeah. A pre- when i was at evergreen
0: oh that's rad
3: so he so i i did shrooms a couple times um i did acid one time and then um recently i've done some micro dosing
1: Hmm.
0: and
3: there are other things that i'm definitely open to exploring i just haven't had the
0: opportunity yet so i micro oh sorry go ahead
3: oh i'm just i am completely open i was hoping i would have time and Peru to do a week long San Pedro ayahuasca ceremony Yes, in there, but I didn't have that opportunity on that trip.
0: I want to do that so bad. I, I definitely want to have an experience. I just don't trust anybody to like, you know, their stuff. I've had some people that are like, I can help you do DMT. And I'm like, no, sorry, dude. Uh, if it comes out of a bathtub, I'm, I'm not doing it, you know, but uh, it's, well, that's the
3: thing is that you have to know the person and trust them that they yeah. know what
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think, you know, especially you know, I, I, I have a, a I would consider a few <laughs> mental issues. And so I, I don't, it's partly, I don't trust my own brain and also I don't trust the other people. And so I would want to go to the most controlled environment you can go to, which is to an ayahuasca clinic where you are supervised yeah. by absolute professionals who have seen it all and done it all. And that can, uh, you know, uh, counter any possible scenario that you might run into. Um, and not only that it's, you know, if you talk about place and setting, which is very important with these psychedelics, um, what better place and setting than somewhere where that's what they do for a profession, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very fascinating. I, I love it. Well, you know, I, um, yeah, that I was wondering because, uh, just your whole perspective is so parallel to a lot of people that have had psychedelic journeys, that come through, whether they believe in channeling, whether they believe they're in contact with aliens or not, uh, they come through significantly expanded, significantly uh, to the point where it's like, you know, I I faced my inner self and I came through the other end with uh, ego death. And it seems to just, amplify their potential, amplify their wisdom, amplify their positivity. It's, it's just an all, it seems to be an all around good.
3: Yeah, I agree. Well, and yeah. a lot of that though, because I haven't done a lot of psychedelics just a few times. Mm. Um, it really was, were the processes that I went through at the Rampa school, like mm. the things that we got put through the techniques, the practices we were doing were really all about that of, getting out of our ego, expanding our minds, going into consciousness and in a whole different reality. Um, you know, so I, for me going through that in my teen years and in my twenties and early thirties was really more opening than anything.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Well, I, I was gonna, <clears throat> you know, with your background and with what you've experienced with path, past lives, I've had other people on, that are similar in that way. Maybe not to the same extent that you are. Um, but I've had other people that say, no, I don't need psychedelics because I can, I can create that effect within myself through meditation. So I kind of thought when I, before I asked the question, I thought, out well, she's probably a 50, 50, she probably either doesn't need psychedelics because she could just go wherever she wants, you know, or maybe you have to open up that doorway. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's well, fascinating. Oh, I mean,
3: I can do it with them now, but I am definitely, I'm, I'm very curious
0: yeah, yeah. As
3: a person, and so if something can expand me even more than what I've done, then I'm open to it.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, something <laughs> a passage that if you don't mind if I read a small little passage from your book go ahead so I this passage really re- resonated with me as someone who is on the fence. Right. This really, this really got me. So, um, the passage in your book, I think it was from your, the afterword, or I can't remember exactly, but anyways, uh, you are so much more than this third density earth life. This is a mere speck of dust in the vastness of all that you are. Take time to embrace all of your parallel lives and realities. When you raise your vibration, you have the opportunity to experience the extraordinary to go beyond whatever self-imposed limitations you have. You are one with everyone around you. You are one with your galactic family. You are one with the universe. There is no separation. The true nature of reality is love. I love it. Yeah. It's, it, I, I mean, when I read, I got goosebumps, I still do. <laughs> I, I love it so much because to me, what, what I really enjoyed about your book for uh, another thing was the fact that you had all these quotes above every chapter. I love okay. that. Uh, like Buzz Aldrin, that was fantastic. Dean Koontz, uh, that was so cool. I was like, holy shit. Anyways, but uh, I just thought that was really cool. And of course you have other people. Uh, I believe Dolores Cannon was one that you had mentioned. She's got several quotes above chapters too. But um, yes. what I loved about this specific passage and, and throughout your whole book is that whether you believe in this or not, whether mm-hmm. you have had past lives or not, whether you remember that, whether you're channeling you can still gain something from this book. And I would imagine your other two books as well. That is a simple positive message of love, happiness and, and self-love, which is just look, be happy with who you are and just know that you are connected, whether you feel that way or not right now you are. And just, just be content with knowing that you don't have to worry You know, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be freaked out that it's it's all love and it's all positivity. And so as a very stark contrast (laughs) to the previous message that we got of of what is coming in this world, I found it incredibly empowering, Mm -hmm. incredibly uplifting, incredibly enlightening. Um, And so I I just want to thank you so much for putting out this work and for letting us talk to you about this. And uh, and just letting us pick your brain.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having the outlet to do that, because one of the missions that I do have in writing and doing my tours, the t- classes I teach is to shift the fear based messaging of the government media in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's time to get out of the fear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with that. It is running rampant. I mean, it is just like it's it's kind of I've been in houses where you step in and you can feel a heavy energy. And I feel that way when I get out in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, like here in my little studio, we've created a whole little vibe here. So when we step in here, it's like a vacuum, you know, all the negative energy gets sucked right out and it's just pure exploration. And, but when we get out there in the real world, it's, I can feel it. It's like this heavy static, that is is weighing down i feel like it's clinging to me of of you know negativity worry you know mm-hmm. and fear of of what's coming and and like you you highlighted it so well uh you know the the media hollywood and government are just flooding uh flooding the airwaves with fear and so it's so nice to have people like yourself that are building communities, uh, with your show that's on YouTube. We'll put all the links in the show notes. You guys can check that out with your book, all your work, um, that is, is, uh, like you had said, trying to counter that fear-based message with positivity, love, and, uh, and, uh, happiness. And, and so, uh, very much appreciated, very much appreciated.
3: Thank you. And just, you know, if we have the ability to create our reality, why not create a beautiful one, right? Yes.
0: Yes. 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 I want, I want ice cream on every corner, (laughs) uh, and Gatorade in every fountain. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, uh, so where, where can the people find you? Obviously your book, uh, connection to the cosmos, we'll put all those links in the show notes. Uh, but, uh, where would you like people to find you for all your content?
3: Well, so, um, my website has a lot of information about all my different services and products. So that's, drlisajthompson.com or mysticmanta.com I have a separate website for the UFO tours if anyone wants to come to Hawaii to the Big Island that's bigislandufotours.com and then my primary social medias I do have the YouTube channel Connection to the Cosmos with Dr. Lisa Thompson I am also then on Facebook
0: that's awesome right on perfect well once again all the links will be in the show notes And uh, everybody can check that out. Uh, Dr. Lisa Thompson, I thoroughly, very much so appreciate your time and your work. And it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you.
3: Well, I have really enjoyed you guys as well. Thank you for Thank your you. very intelligent questions.
0: Thank you. Well, uh, we try. You know, I'm kind of a dumbass, but every once in a while, I could pull out a few decent questions. Luckily, I got the very smart-minded Mr. C next to me to keep me on track. So Sometimes. <laughs> Well, it was wonderful uh, to talk to you again. Thank you so much, and uh, much love to you, and I wish you all the best. And, again, all the links in the show notes for everybody, you could check that out. But uh, thank you again, Dr. Lisa Thompson. Thank you. All right. I believe I see militia forming. Tinfoil. Militia. Stop, militia! The tinfoil. Militia. I
1: joined the militia, but why would you?
0: What do you think tap water is? It's a gay bomb, baby. Every month, our sustained monthly donations come through from Casey Armadillo and his lovely wife, Liz. Thanks for doing the merch, guys. Appreciate it. Michael Ralston, Matthew Morfitt, Jet Life Rihanna. Uh, Eckhart and her wonderful husband, Brian, which is not showed on the screen. It's little, uh, Edward Everhart. What's up, dude? Aaron Rice, the OG designer, tinfoil hat wearing Aaron Rice. Jesse, what's up, girl? How are you? Carlton Turner. Thanks, dude. I know we disagree on some things, but I always appreciate the conversations. Michael Benavides, Morgan, and of course, last but not least, Nathan Boldly Gone Higby. And I want to make sure that y'all know that we've got... Pff, Wrong one. (laughs) We've got names. We've got merch. That's right. You can go and check out our merch shop. Uh, The link's in the show notes. But look at all this beautiful stuff we got. We got cups. We got mugs. We got t-shirts. Cosmic blue balls. You know, we got all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, if you have... Designs, any custom designs that you want to throw out there that you think would be really fun for um, our good friend Casey Armadillo that is uh, putting together custom merch for us. Um, you can send that to us through I want to Believe 115 at gmail.com. Again, the links in the show notes that you can email me and say, uh, you know, like merch designs in the subject title or something like that to let me know that that's what you're bringing to the table. But that's what we'll do. And I'll pass them along to Mr. Casey Armadillo so that way he gets them. And uh, otherwise, you can also go to hold on let me switch this up just a little bit you can also go to our discord channel again links are in the show notes to join the conversation before and after the show I've got a section in there that you can put your encounters you're going to put AI art in I already started some of my own Uh, you can join the clubhouse which is the general chat And then, uh, of course, you can find us on uh, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram, UFO No Podcast, as well as you want to become a member of the Tinfoil Militia, like these wonderful people that uh, we showcase today, monthly sustained donations or just regular donations. You can do that through PayPal, which links are in the show notes. You can do that through our Buzzsprout platform, which is where we actually podcast. They allow us to take donations there. You can join the Patreon, where I showcase all the episodes, ad free, of course. Uh, all that stuff directly from Patreon, like its own little podcast player. And then I've got the Streamlabs donation. So if you're a streamer and you're on Streamlabs and you really like what they do, you can tip us through that anyway. we love it. It really helps to grow the show. Time, talent, or treasure, that's what we're asking for. However you help the show grow we're growing and that's the whole point and without you it wouldn't be possible we so much appreciate it love y'all again if you like this episode with dr lisa thompson please show her some love by checking out the book show us some love by donating and just sharing the shit out of it otherwise <laughs> that's it for us everybody mr c thank you so much i'm dude named ben stoner from the lc valley we appreciate you showing up to the show and as i always say stay elevated Keep your eyes to the skies. And watch out for the government. They're shoisty bastards. Bye bye!